0: Our text out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, buying a field. Starting in verse one, the word of the Lord to Jeremiah in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem and and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah said, why do you prophesy, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon. So Jeremiah was being faithful to his calling, and he was prophesying what God told him to prophesy, that Babylon was going to come, it was going to lay siege, and uh, it was going to destroy Judah and Jerusalem. Well, the king didn't like that too much, and so he put him in prison, and they tried to have him killed and other things. And, but uh, now, he, at this point, he's in the king's uh, house, in prison, which was uh, better than the dungeon that he was in at one time, in the muck and mire, sinking down and ready to die. And so he gets pulled out, and at this point, because of God's mercy and God's providence, he is in a prison that's inside the king's house. The word of the Lord says Hannah, now, H- Hannah Mel will come to you, saying, By my field. For the right of redemption is yours to buy it. That's a, a vision that Jeremiah has, the Lord speaking to him and tells him this thing. And then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to the prison according to the word of the Lord and said, Please buy my field in the country of Benjamin, for the right of re- inheritance and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. And I knew this was the word of the Lord. And so God needed to give Jeremiah that vision ahead of time so that when his cousin comes, he's prepared for it and accepts it as the word of the Lord. And we'll see as we continue on. If it wasn't for that pre-vision, Jeremiah might not have bought the field and might not have thought this was from God. And so because God spoke to him ahead of time, prepared him for it, and often God prepares us ahead of time, especially if we're in tune and listening for the things that, Uh, He is getting us ready to receive and happen to us. And so uh, Jeremiah knew this was the word of the Lord because it was confirmed. He received a vision, and then it actually happened. And so I bought the field for 17 checkers of silver. I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scale. So a very official purchase going on. I gave the purchase deed to Baruch in the presence of Hanamel, the witnesses, and before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. And so all this is taking place still within the prison confound. And I wonder how Jeremiah got 17 shekels of silver <laughs> while he was in prison and and uh, his whole life there. And as a prophet, now he was a Cohen, and so maybe he might have been receiving a, uh, a, a monthly stipend or something like that still for his lineage, even though he was in prison. Uh, but however, God provided, and he used it to... Purchase the field with it in front of witnesses in the court. And I charged Baruch, saying, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says, put these deeds in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. And so put it in earthen vessels, kind of like the Dead Sea Scrolls, that 2,000 years or close to 2,000 years later are unearthed and found, and the scrolls inside are still being, was still able to be read almost as good as they were 2,000 years ahead of time. And so pretty good, uh, much better than, than stuff we have now. Right now your computer crashes, forget about it. All the deeds, all the information, all the insurance, everything is, is uh, gone in some, some cloud somewhere or on some hard drive. And, uh, and that's where we entrust everything our whole entire lives to. And, uh, but, but there, put it in an earthen vessel, seal it there, because a time is coming many days hence when we will come and return and houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Seemingly just contradictory to what they've been prophesying all along. And so I prayed, Lord God, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And that's a good way to start our prayers. Our prayer starts off exalting God, putting God on his pedestal, placing God in right perspective to to everything that's going on. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth. And so Jeremiah obviously believed in the creation story as it's written in the Bible. And so, you know, if we take out those first two chapters and say this is allegorical, then we have to say Jeremiah didn't know what he was talking about and David didn't know what he was talking about and Yeshua didn't know what he was talking about and all these other places in the Bible where it refers back to creation as God creating the heavens and the earth. So he starts with that, acknowledging that by his great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you based on the fact that he created the earth. And if he wasn't able to create the earth and didn't create the earth as he said he did, well, then things would be too hard for him. <laughs> but because of that, because you are able to speak and your word is powerful and you just speak your word and things come into existence in, in, in a twinkling of an eye, at a flash of a light, and it is so because you said so, then nothing is too hard for you. And that's one of the reasons it's so important for us to take the Bible as its word. Because if we start chipping it away, then it undermines the whole foundation of our faith in God's power to do what he said he is able to do. If we forget how God has worked in our past, then we will not have the assurances and the faith and the hope and strength to make it into the future. God's word is truth. And nothing is too hard for God. And maybe what you're going through right now, maybe you've been struggling with something. Maybe something's happening in your life and you need the assurance of knowing that nothing is too hard for God. And that's good to then claim to God as you start in your prayers and starting by exalting God and what he has done in the past and acknowledging his great power and his outstretched arms. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers and to the children after them, the great, the mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts. And so now he's quoting from the Ten Commandments. He's quoting from uh, God being loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love and serve him, but also repaying the iniquity of the children to the third and fourth generation. So God is overall, he is able, he's all-powerful, and he's kind, and he's loving, and his deliverance is there for his children, but he's also not ignorant, and not dumb, and not a fool. He will also, he's justice and, and right, and he will enact his judgment on those who commit iniquity, because he is the great and the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work. Your eyes are open to all our ways and give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So again, he's exalting God as the creator, as the judge, as the all-seeing one, as the shepherd over it all. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows what's going on. He knows what's being said. He knows motives. He knows hearts. And nothing will escape his survey. And then he will give, Again, he will judge in the end. Even though he's in prison, even though Jeremiah has been following the Lord, and he's the one stuck in prison. Even though the king is the one who's eating, and everyone else is starving because of the famine, because of the the, the siege. And yet God will come through, and God will judge, and God will give everyone according to his way. Jeremiah is quoting this all to God and saying this all to God. It's all true. But he's reminding himself as well in our, his prayers, and it's good in our prayers, to start off with reminding ourselves of how good and how great God is. Puts everything in perspective. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel and among other men. And you have made yourself a name. You have brought your people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. And so he hearkens back to creation. He quotes from the Ten Commandments, and he remembers the Passover account of God's exodus in our life and God's mighty deliverance in our life. That's why it's good for us to recount the Passover year by year in remembering how God has worked in the past. And it's interesting here, he says, you have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day. This is well over a thousand years since the Exodus account. And he's saying that there are still signs and wonders left in Egypt as a result of the Exodus that you brought us out. And so I don't know what necessarily it was. Maybe, uh, uh, Joseph's where Joseph was was burial. Maybe that there's still a, uh, something for Joseph there, or maybe the the cities of Goshen are there. Maybe the blood is still on the on the rocks there. There's some sign that's lasted a thousand years later, that still testifies of God's deliverance. Maybe there were some hieroglyphics, whatever whatever they call that, the Egyptian writing on the, on the wall somewhere telling the story that we just haven't found yet. Maybe some account of the Pharaoh who died in the the closing of the Red Sea. But somewhere in Jeremiah's time, he said, you set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day. So it wasn't forgotten then. It was still seen then. And it still should be remembered by us as well. Because sometimes we can start praying and we start mentioning the problem and the problem becomes bigger and bigger in our eyes. And God becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Better for us to start the prayers as Jeremiah is here, exalting God, recounting God's power, God's might, God's glory, the things that God has done in the past. And then it puts our problem in proper perspective. How does our problem today, your problem, my problem today, compare with being stuck in Egypt, under bondage, under slavery, under the Pharaoh's rule, How does the solution to our problems today compare with God's ability to part a Red Sea, to defeat all of Pharaoh's army, and to lead us all out and feed us for 40 years? Is God big enough that created everything to be able to handle our problem today? You have given them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And like we, we sing at, uh, at Passover, Dayenu, it would have been enough, it would have been enough, it would have been enough if you just created it, it would have been enough if you just gave us the Ten Commandments, it would have been enough if you just delivered us out of Egypt, but you also brought us into the land. And so he continues to recount God's glory and God's goodness to us and all that he has done for us in our behalf. And if he's done all of these things, all of this time, all the way up to here, certainly he's not going to just leave us and forget us now. That's the purpose of Jeremiah's prayer. Praying and continuing. Then he says, And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all you have commanded them to do, Therefore you caused them all this calamity to come upon them. And look, the siege mounds. So he's praying, and he has all this faith, and he's recounting, but he looks out the prison windows, the bars, and he sees the Babylonians out there. And he sees their mighty army. He sees their weapons. And he sees sees the siege mounds that they've erected so that nobody can escape and they're hidden behind, and no one can shoot at them. Look at the mounds. Don't you see that, God? Don't you see this problem? (laughs) So he finally gets to the problem at hand. You've done been very good to us, and we haven't appreciated it. We've sinned. We've rebelled. And the Babylonians are here, and they're going to wipe us out. And he starts to shake in his faith. He looks out and sees the army there. And if he would have started with that, if he would have started with, oh God, there's a siege mound out there and there's tens of thousands of Babylonians out there and they're mighty and they're powerful and they defeated the Edomites and the Moabites and this and that and, and, and they destroyed so many cities in Judah already and here they are and now Jerusalem and we have no food and it's been going on for months. He might not have ever recovered from that type of prayer. But he started with the assurances of God's word, the promises of God. He gets to the problem. He's not so Pollyanna, so, so optimistic, and so delusional that there's no problems in the world. Everything's okay. Just be happy. No, he gets to the problem. But he also presents the real reality that's going on. That God sits on his throne. That God gives everyone according to his ways. That God will judge. And God will deal faithfully. And that God is all-powerful. And he's able to judge the Egyptians. And he's able to create the world. He is the Almighty. Nothing is impossible for him. And yet he does present the problem. There are siege mounds out there. This is a real problem we got here. And I don't see any solution. What are you going to do, God? What's taking place? They came to take the city because of the sword, the famine, the pestilence. What you said has happened. And then you said, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. And so now he presents what's on his mind. I don't understand this, Lord. You've been telling me, and I've been telling them, the Babylonians are going to come, they're going to destroy the city because of our sins. And then you tell me in front of witnesses to go and buy a field. Was I wrong? Did I misread you? Have I been prophesying inaccurately? Am I actually going to get out of prison and go live in that land and Benjamin, that I just purchased, was I wrong? Are you now going to wipe out the Babylonians like you wiped out the Egyptians? What's going on here? I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense, but you told me ahead of time that my cousin was going to come, and he did come, and so I bought the field, and everybody saw it, and they all think I'm really Meshuggah now. They didn't like me before, and now they really think I'm nuts. Or they think I got some insider going on here. I've been trying to bring prices down by scaring everyone with the Babylonians, and now I'm buying fields on the cheap. What are you doing to me here? What's going on? And it's okay to ask God, what's going on? And sometimes he'll tell us. And sometimes he asks us to just wait and see. And here he answers, Jeremiah, and he says, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And so what is God quoting from? Where is he quoting from? Where is he quoting from? From Jeremiah's prayer. He's quoting Jeremiah back to himself. Didn't you say a few minutes ago... There's nothing too hard for me? So now why are you worried about the Babylonians? Why are you worried about the siege mounds? Why would you worry about buying a field? What are you worried about? Don't worry. Aren't I the God of all flesh? Isn't that what you just said? Aren't I in charge of it all? Didn't I create all things? Don't worry, Jeremiah. I'm still here. I'm still in charge. I'm still driving. I'm still in control. I've still got it. My eyes are still upon the situation. I've seen the siege mounds. And I know what I'm doing. Nothing is too hard for me. And nothing is too hard for God to do in our life. No matter what problem you've been going through, past, present, or future, there is nothing that we will ever face in this earth that's too hard for God. The devil himself, demons, principality, he's seen them all, he cast them out of heaven. There is nothing too hard for God. And if he's able to cast them out of heaven, he's certainly able to cast them out of our lives. There is nothing, nothing too hard for God. And if we truly believe that, we'd stop worrying. We'd stop fretting. We'd stop looking at the siege mounds. We'd stop worrying about the Babylonians. And trust in God. And be at peace. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will give this city into the hands of the Chaldeans, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He shall take it. The Chaldeans shall set fire to the city and burn it with the houses on whose roofs they offered incense to Baal and other gods to provoke me to anger. So don't worry, Jeremiah, everything I've been telling you so far is going to happen just as I've been telling you, just as you've been telling them. Don't worry, you're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be like a, a Jonah saying that the, the city's going to be destroyed. Don't worry, it's going to happen. Just as I promised, it's going to happen. The Lord God of Israel says, I will gather them out of all the countries where I've driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath, and I will bring them back to the city, and I will cause them to dwell safely, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. What a wonderful promise. So yes, God, Jeremiah, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, Babylon's going to be used by, and destroyed, but I'm going to bring them back. And so the buying of that field had a purpose. I'm going to bring them back. They will be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Wonderful, wonderful promises that God is giving. Now, some people would interpret these last few verses and say, yes, Babylon was going to come in and destroy Judah for their sins. And then the rest of the promises... Oh, those are for the church. (laughs) God will replace it, and the bad stuff was for them, the bad stuff was for Israel, and all the good stuff is for us. But I don't see a skip there, I don't see a jump there. The same they is the same they all throughout in this text. I will give them one heart and one way. I will bring them back. They will be my people. I will be their God. And they will fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. I will bless them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. That's what God's done. God's been faithful to his promises. And we're still here. I will not turn away from doing them good. We're still here. Babylonians are gone. Nebuchadnezzar's gone. The old pharaohs are gone, and we are still here. It's miraculous. He brought us back to the land as he promised. And then when we sinned again, he allowed us to disperse again, and he's brought us back again. But even in the midst of that, we're still here. God's covenant has rung true. I'll put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. And every time we start departing, God brings the fear back into us allows calamities, allows things to happen. We go outside of his presence and the devil beats us up again. But it's all for our good because God loves us and he's made an everlasting covenant with us. And we're still here. Babylon came in, the Edomites are gone, the Moabites are gone, many other groups are gone. But miraculously, we're still here. When the Romans came through, they destroyed many civilizations that are no longer in existence. And we're still here. That's an absolute miracle of God. It testifies to God's promise right here of an everlasting covenant. And that everlasting covenant was given to everyone who accepts Him, it's given to Abraham and all who become Abraham, followers with Abraham, all who believe. The mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with us, to the Gibeonites when we entered into the land of Canaan, to Rahab in Jericho, to Ruth out of Moab, and all down through the ages who have attached themselves to the Lord God of Israel. The promises for all, for all who will accept Him at His word, and all who reject Him, Jew or Gentile would not be receiving of the promises and the everlasting covenant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises are true. And we can receive these promises just as verily today as they were when they were given in the day of Jeremiah. He'll give us one heart and one way. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. He has given us one way, one path. And he gives us one heart, one heart together. His heart, he places his heart in us. His character in us. We don't have to worry about many ways and many paths. One way, simple. One simple way, his word makes it clear and plain. And it doesn't change down through the ages. didn't matter when we were born. It's one way, one path. With one mind and one heart. God's way, God's thoughts. He puts his fear in him that we fear the Lord. We can follow him forever. And it's all for our good. Whatever we're going through, whatever trouble we're going through, whatever siege mounds are around us, whatever Babylonians are harassing us, whether because of our problems, because of our sins, because of our mistakes, or because of others. Jeremiah is suffering because of other people's mistakes. But God will work all things out together for good to those that love him, those called according to his purpose. So we can choose to hold on to God and he will work it out for us. So we trust in him, hold fast to him, recount his promises. He will not turn away from doing them good. That's an everlasting promise. He will not turn away from doing good for us. Again, the good is not maybe what we think is good. <laughs> but it is good in the long run. Because everything he allows if we surrender continually to him will get us to heaven, and that is good. And that's what counts. It's not this earth that counts. It's not this flesh that counts. It's getting us to heaven that counts. And so he will not turn away. His everlasting covenant to you is he will not turn away from doing you good. That's a wonderful promise. And he puts his fear into our hearts so that we don't depart from him. He'll do everything he can to keep us from departing from him because he loves us and he doesn't want to lose us. He doesn't want us leaving him. Because he's the source of life, and he doesn't want us leaving that. And so he does everything he can to keep us close to him. Sometimes it's with blessings, sometimes it's with calamities, but all things to keep us from departing from him. I will rejoice over them to do them good. I will assuredly plant them in this land. Not Texas. <laughs> Alaska somewhere. I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart, with all my soul. That's God talking. With all his heart, with all his soul, he promised and he has. Just as I have brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will bring on them the same people all the good that I have promised to them. God's consistent. Promised calamity? He brought it. He promised blessings? He brought it. And he brought us back to that land. Again, it's miraculous. The so 70 years later, that was miraculous. In 18, 1948, that was miraculous. And he'll bring us into the eternal promised land. And that will be miraculous. Create a new heavens and a new earth. And a new Jerusalem. And that will be miraculous. He will bring us into the land. The meek shall inherit the earth. We'll get it all. As we trust in him. And he rejoices over us. Isn't that amazing thing? A God who gets happy because of us. He rejoices over doing good to us. He loves giving gifts to us. He loves doing good to us. He loves blessing us. It makes him happy. When we think of God, do we think of emotions like joy and happy, that he gets happy in giving gifts to us, in doing good to us, in planting us in the land? Of everyone who's going to be the happiest in heaven, it's going to be God. He's going to be the happiest. He's going to be running around for joy. His children are home. We're all together. One big Thanksgiving meal. Continually. He'll be happy. And he enjoys blessing us. And rejoices over doing us good. Do so you think you're happy when a blessing happens to you? When a prayer is answered, he's happy. He's rejoicing. All of heaven is rejoicing. Angels are jumping up and down. God's giving them high fives. They're all rejoicing together when they see us walking in their ways and rejoicing in them. Men will buy fields for money, sign deeds and seal them and take witnesses in the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowlands, in the cities of the south. For I will cause their captives to return, says the Lord. When I bring them back, it's not going to be just to Jerusalem. I'm going to take over the whole entire land, to the south, to the north, to the east, to the west, to the mountains, to the lowlands, to the cities, to the country, I will plant them back in the land. Not just a small little remnant, but I will bring them back and they will fill the land. Mind-blowing the Jeremiah when he's seeing people killed and people dying of starvation and famine and, and pestilence and, 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 and suffering. And Who's going to be left to come back? I'm going to fill the cities. I'm going to fill the country. And he did it, and he did it again. Absolutely miraculous. Just as he said, he did. And so next time when we're praying and recounting, God, you created the heavens and the earth, and you brought us out of the land of Egypt, and your eyes are upon all the earth, and also you brought us back from Babylon. And also you sent your son from heaven who died for my sins. And you also brought him up out of the grave. And just as he died, so also our sins are removed. And just as he come up out of the grave, so also we will come up out of the grave. And then we can recount the stories that Bob's been reading us week after week of modern testimonies of people that have been blessed by God. We can claim God's promises because he loves us with an everlasting love. We're more valuable than a sparrow, we're more valuable than the lilies of the field. And if he blesses them, how much more will he bless us? And so as we prepare to pray, whatever trouble we're going through, whatever it's facing you're facing right now in your life, hold on to God's promises. Remember how God has worked in the past. And let your problem shrink down in comparison to all the things that God has done in your life, in other people's lives, and down through the ages. And let him be exalted. And so, in a moment when we prepare to pray, if you're facing some problem, maybe it's some situation that you feel hemmed in, Maybe you feel like there's nowhere to go. There's no solution that you can see. Turn it over to God. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe this medical profession has no solution. Maybe it seems like it's going to be ongoing. Maybe it's some financial crisis that you're going through. Maybe something you did. Maybe someone else did. Maybe some circumstance you're going through. Maybe some social issues. Maybe there's some rift that doesn't seem like it's ever going to be healed, some conflict, maybe with your boss, maybe with an employee, maybe with a landlord or a tenant, maybe with a neighbor, maybe with a family member, maybe with a friend. Maybe you're dealing with some problem, some mechanical problem. Maybe there's some problem in your house, a problem with your car. Some other problem in your life. And you want to claim God's promise that nothing is too hard for him. And so in a moment when we pray, if you're going through something right now, and maybe we're not going through something now, Maybe you're in a little lull right now. Maybe things are okay right now. But don't worry, it's coming. It'll come. (laughs) You know, you'll have it. You'll get it too. But if right now you're going through something, I'll invite you to stand as we pray. And if you're not going through something right now, then don't stand. But pray for the others who would be standing. And so intercede for them and pray for them. And know that God is praying for us right now as well. the Messiah is presenting his sacrifice in our behalf and he ever makes intercession for us. And so when we're praying, we're not praying alone. He is praying there with us and for us. And so if you're not going through something right now and you don't need to stand, that's fine. You can pray with Yeshua and unite your prayers with him for the rest of us to be standing. And so if any of those areas apply to you, you're struggling with something, some problems going on in your life, financially or physically or mentally or emotionally or socially, I'll invite you to stand now as, as we pray, and we'll pray for you as we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name for nothing is impossible for you. Down through the ages, you've testified and proven over and over again your power and your might over the things of this world, over the powers of this world, over the kingdoms of this world, over the people of this world, over the bullies of this world, over the devil and all the principalities of darkness, over individual situations. You've testified that you love us. And that you've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Down through the ages, you've delivered us. And even in all those that you've laid to rest, we have the promise of the resurrection because you yourself will resurrect it. And so, Lord, you see those of us standing and you know our needs. You see the siege mounds. You know the problem. And so we just lay it at your feet and see it in comparison to how big you really are. And so take care of this situation as you've done in our life in the past, as you've done in the life of others, in recent history and in ancient history. Thank you for loving us with that everlasting love. Thank you for that everlasting covenant. Thank you that you're going to work this out together for good as well. We just want your glory to be revealed through it. And for us not to depart from you through it. And for us to be faithful to you through it. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.